Greetings and welcome to the inaugural episode of the Chirping the Cats podcast covering the Florida Panthers and the NHL. I'm David's work, and coming up on episode one, we're going to review training camp in the preseason and, of course, discuss all the new faces in Pantherland after a busy summer for general manager Dale Talon, to say the least. Uh, we're going to sit down for a chat with Panthers captain Alexander Barkov, and then later on, we're going to discuss the amazing potential for the upcoming season with Local 10's Will Manso. But the first thing I want to dive into is the roster. Now, training camp went by in what felt like a blink. And when the dust finally settled, the roster looked very much like a Quenville roster. And what I mean by that is when looking back over the years at the type of teams that Joel Quenville built and the way that he structured his lines and and also speaking to a couple people who covered the Blackhawks during Quenville's time there and taking all that information and then looking at the Panthers roster and what they were heading into training camp with and what I came up with turned out to be pretty much exactly what Joel Quenville decided to roll with heading into the season. Now, is that attributed to him being predictable when examining the Panthers roster? Maybe. Maybe he goes what's with what's familiar to him. It's very possible for a veteran coach like this to stick with what he knows. And certainly, he's been successful at it. So let's, you know, let's not question what Q wants to do here. But after doing that research, one name on the Panthers roster that jumped out at me as somebody who could end up being a big Q guy is Dryden Hunt. And him making the team and Q often discussing him with a smile on his face kind of makes me think that we may be onto something there. What makes Hunt the kind of guy that Quenville would like? He's fast. He's strong. He loves getting into those dirty areas on the boards. Last season, Hunt talked about how much pride he took and how much work he put into his play without the puck. And this summer, even more so, he worked on his legs. He got faster. He's ready to play a full pro season, and he's the kind of kid that could flourish under Joe Quenville. So it'll be really interesting to see how Dryden Hunt progresses as the season goes along. Now, Owen Tippett was a wild card to make the roster, and I did not expect him to make the team. Why? Well, I thought his best chance of making the team was to absolutely jump off the page every time he hit the ice and to steal that second wing spot on the Trocheck and Hoffman line. Now, sure, Tippett showed flashes of being that guy because he certainly could end up being that guy. He's just not there yet, and there's nothing wrong with that. He's a 20-year-old kid that's never played pro yet. So let's give him a chance to go down to AHL Springfield. He's going to play big minutes down there. He's going to get a lot of time on the power play. He's going to see big game situations. And let's see how he responds playing games all week long against grown men. Making the jump from junior to pro is no joke. And fortunately, Florida has the luxury right now of allowing Tippett to develop at his own pace and not throw him in at the deep end with NHL play. Now, a couple of guys that did not make the team who I could see getting called up at any point during the season is uh, Anthony Greco and Riley Stillman. Now, Greco will likely be the first forward called up, depending on when the injury happens and who gets hurt. But Greco, he's done a good job of putting himself in that role. He's had two really good years in Springfield. The last two years, he had 30 goals and 29 goals. So Greco's done a good job, especially in the eyes of this new coaching staff, to carve out his spot, and he should see some time in the NHL this year when the inevitability of injuries pop up. Now, with Stillman... He's been fast-tracked basically since he was drafted. He's gone from OHL to his first pro season, and now potentially, depending on how things go, he could see some real action in the NHL later this year. It's really amazing for the son of former Panther player Corey Stillman, 
And he's got a good head on his shoulders, too. Like, I, I don't think going the demotion down the Springfield is going to have any impact on him. He's going to put his head down and work hard. And it seems at the moment, as far as the Panthers' defensive pipeline goes and their prospect pool, Stillman right now is probably at the top of it. Now, shifting focus to a couple of the last guys to make the roster, uh, Dennis Mulgan, we all knew coming into this year, absolute make-it-or-break-it year for him. The one thing he had to show is consistency. You're going to hear that word consistency a lot when we talk about these young guys. That's really where they struggle. But with Mulligan coming into his fourth year in the NHL, never played more than 51 games in his previous three years, never had more than 22 points. He's another one that you can see the potential there. But unlike Owen Tippett, who's coming into his first pro season, Mulligan's been around. He's had the opportunities, and he hasn't done anything with them yet. Not enough to garner a full-time job in the NHL, and that's why he hasn't gotten that opportunity. Now there's a new coaching staff, the clean slate, all that jazz. So let's see what he makes of it. So far during camp, I really liked what I saw of Mulligan. He jumped out at me a lot during training camp, and he looked good during games. So we'll see if he's given a chance to get some games under his belt, get a routine going, and perhaps he will develop into this new defensive-style coaching and it'll turn him into a better player. I, I've often thought that when he's at his best, when, when Mulligan is at his best, he kind of looks like a little Barkov out there. If there's a way to maximize that, if there's a way to get him to play at that level consistently, Dennis Mulligan could be a key, key middle six guy for this team if they can get that out of him. And then there's 25-year-old defenseman Josh Brown getting his first opening night spot in the NHL. Now, Brown came up last season in January when uh, Mackenzie Weger got a concussion in a road game in Montreal. Brown ended up staying with the Panthers for 37 games, and just a a strong defensive defenseman, a stay-at-home kid, not making any mistakes. You didn't really notice him out there, which is a great thing for a young defenseman. And now he's getting a big opportunity. He's been paired up with Keith Yandel throughout training camp in the preseason. He's coming to the regular season, skating with Yans. And that means he's going to get big minutes and be exposed to some big situations. And he's going to do it alongside one of the most savvy veterans in the NHL. So uh, Quenville's really putting Brown in a position not only to succeed, but flourish. Now, speaking of Joel Quenville, he was the first in what became a handful of huge moves that uh, general manager Dale Talon made during the offseason. And you start with the move for Quenville. Talon saw the opportunity and pounced on it. He created Florida's coaching vacancy and uh, basically made that move knowing that Quenville was going to be hired as Florida's head coach. And once that happened, like you could tell that there was a shift, that, that times were changing. You can't do any better than Joel Quenville. It's absolutely amazing. And I'm still kind of in shock when we're standing there after practices and he's speaking to us. I'm just looking at him like, wow, this is Joel Quenville. This is the second most winning coach in NHL history. This is a proven Stanley Cup champion. And he is leading our Florida Panthers. It's absolutely spectacular. And then after that, Talon goes out with the blessing of Florida Panthers ownership to spend, 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 and spend some more. And what did they do? They went out and got one of the absolute best goalies available, the best goalie available, one of the absolute best goalies in the league in Sergei Bobrovsky, who's already impressing around Florida with his ridiculous work ethic, that uh, it leads you to think that maybe the end of his contract that you might be a little concerned with, seven years, 70 million, this guy's work ethic, the way that he treats his body like a temple and the way that he takes care of himself and takes his craft so seriously, it makes you think of guys like Martin Brodeur and Patrick Waugh and Roberto Luongo, 
guys that were able to play into their late 30s and beyond at an extremely high level. And what do they all have in common? They were nuts about taking care of their bodies and making sure they were in the absolute best shape. You see the same stuff from Sergei Bobrovsky. He's always the first guy on the ice. Every single practice, training camp, game, whatever it is, he's always the first guy out there. He's got this ridiculous routine of stretching and getting shots and just moving his body. It's amazing to see. And I would suggest to any Panthers fans, if you have an opportunity at some point this season, uh, head up to the, the ice then in Coral Springs and just watch Bobrovsky in practice. And you really gain an appreciation for how much work this guy puts in. And you look at the other additions, probably the least discussed of the new additions is the signing of defenseman Anton Strawman, which, funnily enough, Strawman's going to play such a key role on the back end. And defense, defense, defense. Like, Panther fans know. Like, that's what we need to fix. We can score, sure. We got Bobrovsky, so we're okay in goal. Defense is the area that you're going to point to if the struggles start. And Strawman's going to play a big role in turning that around and getting the Panthers' defense to at least a respectable level early on as they continue to learn and incorporate Coach Quenville's system. Now, as far as the forwards Florida added, you've got Brett Connolly, and I'm really anxious to see this guy play on a gamely basis. I can't say that I did that much when he was in Washington, but since arriving in Florida, he's shown a deceptively accurate shot. I love watching him shoot in practice. So many bar down and post in shots, so it's something you want to keep an eye on, especially close to the net. That's where he's been getting a lot of those shots off uh, during practice. And for Nolachari, everything you need to know about him, just watch him play in the defensive zone. His feet do not stop moving, and he's always, always in the right position. It's really something to watch, and it explains why he's such a good penalty killer. As speaking of the PK, he and Sevier out there killing penalties together, you would think that they're going to create a lot of offensive chances, and it'll be something to watch as the season goes on for sure. Now, before we move on, just a few final observations uh, from training camp. One thing from the very beginning, I know a lot of us were watching uh, the play of Alexi Heponiemi, and uh, we wanted to see how he was going to progress through this year. And if he, he was another one that was maybe a, uh, not necessarily a long shot to make the team, somebody you would have liked to see at least in the mitts. But um, after seeing him in the rookie camp, and then at the beginning of training camp, it wasn't surprising to see him among the first cuts. He just doesn't look ready yet. And again, just like with Owen Tippett, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. He's a 20-year-old playing in his first pro year, and Florida has the luxury. Again, they do not need to push these guys into the fire right away. Let them develop at their own pace and get a taste of what it feels like to play a full North American hockey schedule against grown men. Now, a couple of Panthers forwards that really stood out during training camp for good reasons, Mike Hoffman and Frank Vetrano. With Hoffman from day one, he looked really active in all three zones and was just flying all over the ice. So one of the first things I asked him was, was what did you do this offseason that made making you stand out so much more? And he gave all the credit to Quenville and his system, and he said it's just got him so much more active. And not just him, but the entire team. Like, he just didn't want to take much credit for it, but it's clear when you watch him that something lit a fire under him this season, and certainly it's not out of the realm of possibility to think that it would be the coaching staff that did it. Because, again, he's not the only player you're seeing a difference in, but with Hoffman, I feel it's just been magnified, and he's, he's just looked great. Now, with Vetrano, one of the first things I noticed about him and one of the first things I wrote down and that I continued to write down day after day taking notes was just how fast he looked. And he was already fast. He just looks like he's gained another gear during the offseason. His shot, amazingly accurate as it had been. It just makes you wonder, if last season was his breakout year, can a guy have back-to-back -back breakout years? Like... I'm going to need a ruling on that. 
Now, Vetrano told me that this summer was the hardest he'd ever worked in an offseason, so we'll just see how well that translates on the ice. And my last training camp observation is really just the feel-good easy one, and that's that the Panthers' top line has been like in mid-season form since literally the first training camp scrimmage shift that they were on the ice together. You could see right away that the chemistry was there. There was no off-season lag. These guys were good to go. The no-look passes and just these amazing plays in the offensive zone. It's really exciting to think of what this trio is capable of this season and that the Panthers now have one of the NHL's premier top lines. Now, speaking of the top line, center Alexander Barkov was gracious enough to share a few minutes of his time with me on the eve of Florida's home opener against Tampa. And now I'm going to share that interview with you. We're here with Panther center Alexander Barkov. Sasha, thank you for joining the first episode of the Chirping the Cats podcast. And the first thing I want to talk to you about is your training. Now, last year you played every single game, all 82, and the year before that, you only missed three. What are you doing in the offseason that's different that's been able to keep you healthy uh, the last couple of years? Yeah, I've changed a little bit my training. Like I got a little bit smarter and uh, got a lot of help from uh, trainers here in Florida and back home in Finland and uh, just to get to know what my body needs to do and what it needs to stay in good shape during the during the whole season and it's a long season and of course there there will be like uh, bruises and everything but overall like I feel I feel good and I feel better every year now during the off season I know you train very hard could you give me like a what's the basic day like when you're off season training you know you wake up early like how does it work I mean every day is a little bit different like of course some days I concentrate on speed work and uh, just like quick stuff and some days I concentrate more on like lifting and uh, strength maybe first day Mondays uh, speed training I'll like go go and do like sprints early in the morning and then maybe do some like quick uh, quick lift uh, after that and that's about it and maybe next day I would do like more strength stuff and I would usually work out maybe like twice a day and maybe Monday till Saturday. Now, this off season, obviously some big changes around here. Brand new head coach. You can't do much better than Joel Quenville. You bring in Sergei Bobrovsky as your goaltender. What were you thinking as the summer was going on and you're back home watching all this happen? Like, What's going through your mind? Yeah, that's you can't really ask for more what they did for the organization, bringing those guys in and of course, uh, Q is a one-of-a-kind coach. Like uh, we get to know him really well here at the camp, and we're really excited to have him and learn from him and uh, play for him. And Bobrovsky, Strollman, Connolly, Achiari—they're all really good guys and really good players. And we got what we needed, and now we just need to play. Last year at this time, we talked a lot about the importance of getting off to a good start. What's going to make it different this year that will allow you guys to get off to that good start and put yourself in a good position in November and December? Yeah, like you said, like we need to be a little bit better and at the start and uh, just try to find the find the way to win games. Like I know we we had a good training camp, we played well, we practiced really well, and now we just need to get back at it the regular season and uh, really looking forward to the first home opener. Now, I know you've said before that your big goal is the Stanley Cup and the playoffs are big, but personally, like, how important is it for you to get back to the playoffs? You've only been one time in seven years. 
No, that's biggest goal in my life. Like you wanna, I wanna play playoffs every year and wanna win Stanley Cup. And uh, we're here to do anything what it takes. And it's all all about team, team, and uh, practicing really well and playing even harder. One thing I've got to ask you about: I can't sit down with Sasha Barkov and not talk about shootouts. How much uh, new stuff have you been working on this summer? Is there anything cool maybe that uh, that we might have in store? I mean, I always have like some some moves in my mind. I just need to work for work on them on the in the practices. And I mean, now we have really good goalies for that. And if you score on them, then you for sure maybe maybe will score in the game. And yeah, I mean, working working on them maybe a couple couple new moves. As far as when you get away from the rink, I know one of your favorite things is cars. So I'm curious, like when you see, when you're out looking for cars, like what do you look for first? Are you looking under the hood? Are you looking at the paint, the interior? Like what do you like? I mean, I know a lot about the cars. Like I'm not like really, really into the like tuning and everything, all the stuff like that. Like under the hood, I'm kind of, I haven't learned that part yet. Mm. I haven't been like, I haven't done any research or anything like that of course i know a lot about like horsepowers and stuff like that but just the way like car looks and drives and i mean that's yeah i i like cars and i like fast cars too do you have like a dream car if you could have any car ever that was ever created what would what would your dream car be uh, it's always been nissan gtr and i had it for a couple of years and now i'm kind of like i gave it away so uh, I don't know. I'm thinking about a new one. What's your daily day-to-day car right now? Like, what's your happy car that you drive around? I'm driving a Range Rover now, and it's probably the best car I ever been driving, and it's comfortable, big, and fast. It's good also to have something big when you're driving around South Florida. Eh? Yeah, when you dangerous. when you drive like for one hour a day, it needs to be like comfortable car, and I mean Range Rover is pretty good. And the other thing I know you're into when you're not playing is video games. So I heard that you create your own player. You have your own Barky player. How similar is EA Sports Barkov to real life Barkov? Not like totally opposite. Oh, really? Yeah. How is it yeah. opposite? Like defenseman, goalie? like. Yeah, I'm defenseman and I sit in the box whole game. <laughs> so you're the tough guy on the team in the, in the video game. Yeah, I'm it's like... Com- I'm complete not, opposite. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not skilled, so I need to do something else. Awesome. Sasha, thank you so much for joining us today on the first episode of the Chirping the Cats podcast. I want to wish you nothing but the best luck this season, and hopefully the next time we chat, we'll be talking about the Panthers' playoff run. Thanks for having me. We've reached the part of the Chirping the Cats podcast where we look ahead, and joining me today is Local 10's Will Manso. Will, thanks for coming on. It's great to be on. It's even better to talk some about Panthers hockey. Oh, it is, and the season is here. The excitement level couldn't be higher. And really, like what we were talking about before we turn the mics on is that there's no excuses left with this team. They mm-hmm. are built to succeed. They looked at last season, high-scoring team that had trouble keeping the puck out of the net. What do you do? You bring in one of the best defensive coaches in NHL history and one of the best goaltenders in the league right now. Yeah, and, that, and that's why I think people should be excited because a lot of times you recognize going into an offseason, right? Okay, what are the issues with this particular team in any sport? Very rarely, though, does a front office, does an organization go out and address those 
with such force. I mean, you're talking again, you're talking about a championship coach. You're talking about a superb goalie, a proven goalie. This wasn't like they got some young coach who, yeah, maybe he's a good defensive mind that's had success somewhere and that could be good. No, this is a proven commodity. Goalie, same thing. So when you look at that, given the firepower that they had last year, given a rising star that they have, all these things together, this is a this isn't a typical optimistic point of view going into the season that everybody thinks everything's going to be rosy. This is looking at a team, looking at its flaws, addressing those flaws, and now thinking there's no reason that now this team shouldn't be competitive where it needs to be. Yes, logic says it's okay. Panthers fans, get excited. It's going to be a fun year. But for guys like me that have been living down here pretty much my whole life, you've been covering sports down here for a long time. Yeah. So you know that South Florida sports fan has that little nagging voice in the back of, of their head that says, no, you live down here. We aren't allowed to have nice things. No, it's true, especially for the Panthers. You know, a lot of times we, we talk so much on, on, on the air, on our various podcasts, you know, about the Dolphins. That's so Dolphins. And the Marlins, oh, the Marlins are always just going to get rid of their players. And there's this negativity. And the Panthers is kind of the middle ground. It's not necessarily negativity. It's almost indifference. And that's been a problem for a long time. I, I know I've told you this story off air, and I'll tell it right now. When I first got to Channel 10 in 1999, that was in the wave of getting Pavel Bure, making the postseason, losing out, you know, losing in that first round. Of that My first year here, they lost in that first round, but I thought, man, this is cool. It's the first time I've ever covered playoff hockey. I had come from smaller markets, middle markets. Remember, I grew up in South Florida, but the Panthers didn't come around until till the 90s, and then by then I started working, so I didn't even get a chance to, to cover the year of the Cats. You know, that, I was still wrapping up college. So... All this excitement of, man, I'm covering a playoff team. This is going to be fun. And then, boom, an over-decade drought of no playoff hockey. That set that indifference to the point that too often when I say to fans, like, hey, get excited about this team. Ah, nah, it's the Panthers. It's the same. And I'm telling you, I tell people the same thing. I know that it sounds like lip service. I know that it sounds like that typical optimism, but this just feels different, and I don't think it's that same old Panthers that, that people want to point to of the last 15 years or so. Oh, well, you've seen it the last few years that they've got a team that's built to succeed, and they did it well. They drafted strongly Barkov, Huberto, mm-hmm. Ekblad. They brought in all these guys. They've built the team strong and well. Now it's time for them to turn that corner, and I think after last season, very high-scoring team, a very good power play, so now they're tightening the screws. And, and it's fun to think about what the future could bring, and that brings me uh, to the next topic that I wanted to talk about. Let's end on a very, very positive note, and I thought— Let's look ahead past the season okay. to the NHL awards Let's next summer. Let's win some awards, man. Let's make well, the playoffs and have this team win some awards. Last year, Barkov wins the Lady Bing. Yeah. That was awesome. It's cool to see the Panthers getting some of that national exposure, but let's let's broaden that scope a bit. You've got Quenville. He's already being looked at as a potential Jack Adams winner as the NHL's top coach. You've got Bobrovsky, potentially a Vezina candidate. He's won it twice before. Mm-hmm. And then you look at his backup, Sam Monsonbeau. The two of them could combine, maybe win the Jennings and have the league's best goals against. It's all very possible. But, Will, it's all about Alexander Barkov, isn't it? Yeah. No, it's true. When you look at to me, it's Quenville and Barkov because I will say this. The one thing, if they can truly be the team that we think they may be, right, if they could truly be a playoff team that actually makes noise in the playoffs, and you know this better as, as, as well as anybody, that the way the NHL works is so much different than other leagues. You see teams that just jump to the next year and make noise and make runs. It's not like – it's not a shock to see a team go from not making the playoffs or being near the bottom of the playoff race to being – a team that actually contends and makes noise in the postseason. Yeah, well, look at last year's Stanley Cup champion. They were last in the league in January. 
perfect example and and all, it became this huge story and, and what a story it was and I'm not saying look I'm not saying the Panthers are winning the Stanley Cup I'm not saying the Panthers are, are, are playing for the Stanley Cup but I will say this there's no reason that if they stay healthy and everything given the way it is that they couldn't make some sort of run into the postseason and, and, and throughout the postseason and if that happens I mean if they're that kind of team they'll be one of the better stories in the NHL and I think you look at Coach Q and you say to yourself I mean to me they do that. He's. It's hard to top that, given what we talked about earlier about the indifference and the lack of success they've had in the last 15 years. If he can come in year one and do that, to me, he's your coach of the year right away. I mean, you, you've got to think. Tell me another situation other than maybe a Blues type situation again, where you just have that craziness of and given what the background of it. Now with Barkoff, I agree with you. I think people in South Florida we're asked all the time. I know I am. Hey, who's the next star? Who's the next face? Dwayne Wade was the face, and you know deservedly so and everybody's waiting for that next star and you quietly look and you say there is already a star in South Florida yes he there just is hasn't had a chance to shine because of the team he's on and the lack of success they've had but if there is any level of success obviously Markov is going to have a big deal and a reason why they have success he's already known on the national NHL scale anybody who knows the NHL yeah, he's no secret anymore yes, around hockey circles people know who Sasha Barkov is that's not an issue South Florida, though, is a different question. I think he's the kind of guy that if they've had that type of season they want to have and they expect to have, he will be up for all the awards. He will be up for all the recognition, and he will be one of the bigger stories in the NHL. It will be interesting to see if Barkov's name gets tossed around, if he has a big enough year with uh, the Selkie and the Lady Bing. Obviously, you know those two. He's there, but mm-hmm. you never know. MVP, a Hart Trophy candidate? Well, if you look at the production, how old is he? 23, I think? Barkov is 24. 24, okay. So he's 24 years old, and yet all the experience he has, he is just entering his prime. And again, he's known. He's a known commodity. Uh, there's no reason he couldn't be in that conversation because you know the production on his end, as long as he's healthy, will be there. And if that production comes with victories and that production comes with a playoff team, to me, the sky's the limit on what he can do, not just for the future, but this year. It's definitely beyond exciting, and I, I'm having a hard time putting into words a lot of the time when I'm thinking about it just because, yes, we do this for a living, and we're working, but we're also locals. And yeah, we're fans. We want to see. I tell people this all the time. I, you know, Sometimes we, in this town, we've had so many teams that have struggled that you say to yourself, oh, you become numb to it. We're not numb to it. We're fans. Like If you're a fan of, and you grow up in a city or you live in a city for a long time and you follow teams— there's nothing like watching those teams win that's better than that. I mean, watching a team win. Again, I remember being in college the year of the rat. I remember obviously having covered the NBA championships for the Heat, all three of them. I remember the two World Series for the Marlins well. Unfortunately, I don't remember the Dolphins Super Bowl wins because that was before I was alive. Few people do. Yes, exactly. Very few people out there can remember that because it's been that long. But joking aside, we know how good it feels to have a winner. And I think it's time that we felt what it's like for the Panthers to be a winner. And I think if the Panthers win, too, because those diehard fans down here have been suffering for so long, that, that euphoric feeling will almost be amazing. Can I tell you something, though? I, 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 to the Panther fan, the diehard fan, I know many of them listen to your work and that, that are listening now. The loyalty that they've showed, they deserve it because it's very easy to jump it off that bandwagon and say, oh, man, it's just hockey's not working in South Florida. We just can't get a winner, coach after coach, and all these different things. And whether we have a good player or not, it just never seems to work out. Well, now hopefully they're going to see and get that that level of loyalty is going to be paid back with wins and with success. And then, you know what? Make sure to leave room open in that bandwagon. Don't get angry. Don't get mad that people haven't been on the bandwagon. Open up the bandwagon. Don't push those people away. Embrace them and bring them in because the more fans, the better. In South Florida is a bandwagon region anyway. They love jumping on with the winners. But just like you've talked about the year of the rat, you talked about back in 2000. 
if the Panthers can get some consistent mm-hmm. success, I think the sky's the limit. I really do, because hockey's such a fun sport, and the interest is there. They just have to prove, you guys can come back. It's okay. We're not going to disappoint you. We are built to succeed, mm-hmm. and this year is going to be the start of that. Yeah, I, look, to the diehard, you know you're going anyways, but to the, to the one who's maybe a casual uh, hockey fan, casual Panthers fan, I say you just got to go check out the game. Like, I know that, look, I tell you, professionally, obviously, I cover the team. I'm not there all the time because it's during heat season, so we kind of give our attention to both, and we try to do what we can. But I know I'm taking my family to a couple games this year just as a fan, taking my girls. I have young girls, you know. We're going to go and, and, and enjoy just from a perspective of fun, but not just fun, but I just think it'll be a good team. So it's it's fun to be there. It's even more fun to be there for a team that's actually good and has a chance at success. Will, I want to thank you so much for joining the first episode of the Chirping the Cats podcast, and I look forward to future conversations about the Panthers as the year goes by. For sure, and I'll be listening every week. So I'll be listening. You'll be teaching me some good hockey stuff, so keep it up. And that's going to do it for episode one of the Chirping the Cats podcast. We'll be back with episode two next week, and please hit the subscribe button as I'll be with you all season long, bringing info and insight into all things Panthers and NHL hockey with more great guests, including current and former Panthers players. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.